Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge in the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. How are employers supposed to keep people in their roles if large percentages of people are in the wrong job? What do I mean by that? I know just the man to answer that question. Today we are joined by Jamie Schneiderman. Jamie is the founder and CEO of CareerSpark, the leader in predictive career mobility that helps organizations to understand what drives success and to easily and consistently select develop and promote top talent. He believes job performance depends on people working in roles they are built to succeed in. He has long been an advocate of creating a world where the right people are in the right jobs, resulting in happier employees and more productive organizations. Jamie has spent over 20 years building companies like Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, and Rogers, along with several technology startups. Jamie has a commerce degree from the University of British Columbia and an MBA from Harvard. He lives in Toronto, Canada with his wife and two children. Jamie, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's let's get started. I understand that you had an epiphany before you created CareerSpark. Can you share with us what that is? Sure. I, um, I, I started my career at some very large companies. And uh, while I was always, you know, while I always had, was always reasonably successful, I would say, um, I, I always found work frustrating, like unbelievably frustrating. In fact, I would say that I, the first half of my career was incredibly frustrating and not very um, satisfying at all. And so, you know, with that in mind, I set out to try to figure out what would be right for me. Um, and I think, you know, in doing so, and it, your question around the epiphany, uh, when I when I went to go find what I needed to do and what was right for me, I ended up talking to a lot of other people. And it was in that that I discovered that I was not only not alone, but I was in the vast majority and that a huge percentage of people were in the wrong job. So you felt you were in the wrong job. Um... I, I guess you've kind of answered the next part of my question, but you know, how common is that? Yeah. So about, you know, based on a, a number of different points of research, it appears as though about 70% of the population or 70% of, of employed people are in the wrong jobs. Um, it's a huge problem. Um, and you know, it's interesting people go, okay, yeah, 70% and they shake their heads. But, you know, when you do the math, that's like 125 million people in North America alone. So, so what we're talking about here uh, is, is, an, is an incredible problem. I mean, it's just, it's, it's probably the biggest problem that exists today in business. Um, but we've accepted it. Uh, and we've accepted that there isn't much that can be done to fix it. I think there's work that's been done on the edges, but I think there's really very little to tackle the core problem. And so this problem is pervasive, 
Um, and it's frankly an epidemic that's got to be tackled and fixed uh, because the impact from that would be gigantic for the economy and for individuals, of course. Yeah, I, uh, I figured it was going to be a high number, but I didn't expect it to be 70%. I mean, that's, uh, that's astounding. Um, do you think that HR is one, do you think they're aware of it, uh, of this problem? And if so, do you think that they're, I mean, uh, I want to say, are they successfully tackling it? But I guess the real question is, are they even tackling it at all? So, so I think they are aware of the problem. Um, I'll tell you that I speak at events all the time in front of large groups of, uh, of HR folks. And when I start to share some statistics around this, they shake their heads. Like they nod their heads as though they know. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting for me and where the real challenge here is kind of, kind of the, the apathy around what can be done to fix this. Um, and if you look at what's been done you know a lot of the improvements that are being made and a lot of the the solutions if you like and i i use quotations around that um are focused around improving the process right so if you think about it from a hiring perspective for example because that's probably where most of the energy has gone to date and most of the the, the spend has gone um, really, the effort there has been less around getting to the right people and more about how do I screen through the masses of people who are coming through to at least narrow that down. Well, while that may be effective to manage the process in a very large organization that's dealing with huge volumes of, of job candidates, it really isn't helping you get to the right people, uh, the, the right person you know, if you look at resumes today and you try to work from a resume, resumes themselves are not particularly uh, predictive. Um, and in fact, the, the mistakes that most organizations are making today are fixated around the resume. So, uh, you know, if you think about it, whether you're looking at new job candidates or you're looking at existing employees, which is almost a bigger problem, the the issue there tends to be when we're making decisions or when HR is making decisions around people, they're focusing those decisions around two key issue areas. And, and the first one is um, the focus on what people have done as the basis for decision making. And then the second one is an incredible level of subjectivity. We're just too subjective in our uh, decision-making around people, too much opinion. We wouldn't accept that level of opinion or subjectivity in any other part of our business. And yet we do all the time as it relates to people decisions. And that's why we continue to run into the same problems. So, you know, the, the, the reality is that it's going to be a rethink that's required, not a, um, not just a tweak of the existing system. Yeah, you know, and I can imagine if you're trying to fix the problem with recruiting, you know, even if you could somehow, you know, overcome these problems and get all the right people into exactly the right job, you still have the problem of the other people that are already in the organization, like you mentioned. And, you know, what we know about toxic employees or disengaged employees is that it spreads, you know. Um, have you, have you, you know, so it seems like you, you have to take a more holistic approach do you think that AI or technology could help get some of that subjectivity out of there? Yeah. Well, so, you know, this is, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an important question because, and it's a question that I'm hearing a lot of now, right? Because of such a focus on 
technology as the answer, in particular, AI as the answer. Here's the reality about AI. AI has the potential to dramatically change and transform a lot of things. Um, but AI itself, right, artificial intelligence is only as intelligent as the, as the way it's trained to be, as the information that's inputted into it. And so if you take the scenarios that I'm talking about, um, where we're talking about whether it's hiring or uh, moving people internally within an organization, um, other people decisions, all those decisions, um, how do I say this nicely? They all, they all are, they all sort of suck right now. We're not good at it. Organizations are very bad at those decisions. Um, and the basis for making those decisions isn't very good. And the information that goes into those decisions isn't very good. And so when you add all that up, if you use AI, AI would be trained by failure. It would be trained by the wrong information. It would be trained to essentially replicate what we're doing right now inefficiently and ineffectively. And so the problem for me is less about the AI and more about the information that we input into the AI or train the AI with to get to better decisions. Well, um, what about data analytics? You know, I mean, so, okay, if the problem is humans loading AI incorrectly, you know, it, if they get a little bit more mathematical, is that going to help? Yes. So I think that uh, analytics plays a key role and, and, and the real trick going forward is about combining analytics um, and, and AI. But, but once again, it's analytics of the right data. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier um, that we were, uh, that the focus within HR tends to be around what people have done. So what, no matter what decisions you're making, um, about people, companies almost always go back to what have you done? So whether that's um, your results, um, your past experience, your education, your skills, all relevant things. But, but what they tend to do is they tend to, to be reflective of the past and not a strong predictor of what you should do or can do. So when we're making decisions about what's next for somebody, What's the next role you should go into? Should we, um, should we promote you, move you around internally or hire somebody new? You know, what you've done in the past, it has little, um, you know, it has little predictability as it relates to what's next. So, so for, for us and the way we think about this, so, we, you know, it, it's not just about analyzing data or using technology. It's making sure that you've got a holistic picture of the person. And, and I think that's a really key thing here. And so from that perspective, you, you need to continue to look at what people have done um, and where they've done it um, and what skills they have in education. I think all of those things are important. But the other piece that's really critical here is you need to also understand who they are. Um, and, you know, who you are is actually a much better predictor of what you can do, what you're capable of doing, than what you've done. What you've done is a function of context. It's a function of the environment you were in and not necessarily a function of your capability or your potential. And so, you know, I look at, oftentimes I'll look in organizations 
that will talk about, oh, we've got training and we can coach people up and all these things. And then when it comes time to move somebody within the organization, they look at, you know, have you already demonstrated all of these things before we move you into that role? Well, if you, you know, that, that's, that sort of removes the, the focus on what they're going to do with respect to training and coaching and development and only reflects you did it or you didn't do it. To me, the best people are the ones who have all the potential to do that. And then they just need to be put in the right position um, and given the right tools to be successful beyond that point. You know, um, I was going to ask you what the solution is. Uh, that sounds like, you know, you're getting at it. But what else, what can people do to, uh, how do I put this? What if there weren't enough spaces for everyone to have the right job? What if there weren't enough spaces for everyone to have a job? Yeah, like, you know, if we all are supposed to have, you know, some other job because we're all in the wrong position, uh-huh. you know, maybe there aren't enough of those positions for us all to fill. Is that, I imagine that you don't believe that that's true, but I'd like to hear what you have to say about it. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I actually don't believe that that's true. I, I think that there's always, there are always people who are unemployed and they're presently, and there are always, unfilled roles presently um, and the shift between uh, the number of unfilled roles and the number of people who are unemployed shifts up or down depending um, you know you know the natural ebb and flow of the economy which I understand and that makes sense but but having said that the the real issue here comes down to you know we're too open and willing to accept that natural ebb and flow. We, we don't look at people, you know, we don't look at the person who's coming into our organization as someone we expect to stay within the organization throughout their career. We have an expectation that they're going to up and leave. Um, we pick on them and society and stuff as opposed to saying as an employer, what could I do differently to ensure that this person has an engaging, fulfilling career, and then I'm always looking out for what's next for them. And if that were the case, the number of openings, the number of people would um, who are looking would shrink on both ends, and you'd have happier, more productive employees, less turnover, less more efficiency in the market. So, I, you know, I, I'm I think we're we 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 have a tendency to jump to. You know, macro issues without getting at the root of the individual problem, right? There's the symptoms of these things that we continue to tackle. Um, too much volume, too much turnover. It's too hard to read. It's too hard to understand people. Instead of understanding what what should I know about somebody and what should I know about what drives success for somebody or, or for a role, to understand whether this person is more likely to be successful. And if we did that and did that on mass, um, we could dramatically reduce that 70% and it's, it's game changing. How, how do you understand the true drivers of success? Like you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. The, the true drivers of success, you know, a lot of times, most organizations, when they think about, what success looks like it often comes down to um, opinion right so you'll have a manager number of managers who might say this is these are the people who are my best people these are the people who are most successful this is what i believe 
uh, drive success. When we go into organizations, we'll often hear from companies that when they're defining success, they're doing it by having a number of people sit around a table and literally work through it. So, and I always come back and say, those people may be very educated, they may be intelligent, but it's still opinion. We, we are looking at opinion at that point. And so when we look at this, we think about it less as an, we don't think about this as an opinion thing. We think about this as a factual objective uh, measure. And, and the answer actually exists within people that are in every organization today. You have uh, individuals who are performing uh, at the top of the performance scale and individuals are performing at the bottom of the performance scale and everywhere in the middle. So the question always comes down to what is it about your top performing people that differentiates them from everybody else that you have? And, you know, what we're looking at is always if we understand why those top performing people are outperforming everyone else, that now forms the basis or what we would call the benchmark for success. Now we understand why these people are outperforming everybody else. And now when we're looking for either moving people, others internally into those roles or hiring new people externally, you can now use that benchmark as a basis or framework for um, what success truly looks like. And there's no opinion. It's all fact-based. It's all based on data. Uh, and it, it tends to be much, much more successful than, than the opinion uh, that, that most organizations are rolling into things. Yeah. Um, what do you do? You think that you know? It sounds like basically uh, getting mathematical, getting scientific, taking the the people out of the equation essentially is is kind of critical to to your belief. And I'm wondering, you know, is it possible that technology will take the place of HR professionals? So I don't think that technology will take the place of HR professionals. And I don't expect uh, ever that human beings get removed from this process. At the end of the day, you're talking about people. Um, and sometimes we forget that it's people. Uh, very, very important that we consider that when we're making decisions, we're talking about human beings. These are people who work within an organization. Who we, we should, everyone should want to have be successful. So from an HR perspective, I don't, believe that technology will remove the need for HR. What I think technology can do, um, and I expect it to do, is, and you, you mentioned math, I think what technology will do and the math will do is it will provide those HR professionals with the right information. Um, so both what someone has done and who they are and what drives success, so now we can compare that person against success um, and use that as a basis or baseline to initially figure out who are the people who are most likely to be successful and why do we expect them to be successful. So now what you've done is technology has dramatically improved the odds of success. We've used data to dramatically improve that decision making. But at the end of the day, you still need people to then meet with, speak to, and understand the individuals and the dynamics to make those final decisions. And I think that's the, 
that's the thing that's what's what's been missing for me as I look at this is that technology hasn't been supporting decision making. Technology has actually been focused around supporting process. So it's been all it's it's actually removing a lot of uh, things around what people have been doing because but it's all process oriented improvement. It's not been decision making improvement. And so if we start to push technology to help enable better decisions, then it's still you, you're going to have better, smarter people who are going to make better decisions along the way. Um, and then also be able to work on. I also believe that HR will be able to work on more value added uh, things within the organization and become a much bigger contributor as opposed to just managing processes um, and, and delivering, frankly, results that haven't been ideal over time, which is of no fault to HR, but it's but they get stuck with that. So how do we make HR a more valuable player within the organization? Yeah, I think that, and this comes up time and time again, um, you know, let's say that, you know, an HR professional is listening to this right now, you know, a switch goes off in their head and they say, you know, I get it. How would, what would you say to that HR professional to say to their CEO or, or other executives to convince them? Cause these changes you're talking about would be, you know, fairly sweeping, like you said earlier. Uh, how do you how do you how do you arm the HR people with the? What would you tell an HR person to tell their executive to get to get some buy-in? No, for sure. Um, I, I, so I think I think this is a and this is a question that we run into all the time uh, with HR who get it and then need to figure out a way to sell it. But but it actually should be an easier sell than people realize. It, in virtually every company in the world, the largest line item on the expense side for virtually every company are people. People costs. We spend more, you know, you take a company with 100,000 people and think about all those salaries and the benefits and all the other things that the organization has to spend on to have to deal with those people. Those people are the biggest cost by far. And everyone talks about how important people are, and yet our decision making is terrible. So, so if you know, senior people want they care about their people. Uh, they they understand that people drive the success of their company, and so for an HR person to be successful, to me, it's tied that feeling together with re, with an economic impact. So the economic impact is simple. Right. We can save the money, save the company massive amounts of money by being more efficient here. Or we can actually gain money, additional money for the company by having the right people doing these jobs. Right. If you take an example like sales, the best salespeople can deliver 20, 10 to 20 times the results of the bottom salespeople. Well, shouldn't you be? always wanting to get more of the right people. And so I think the, the payout on this, the ROI, which is language that rarely comes from HR, but is more the way that HR needs to think going forward is really the magic, right? It's really the way, um, you know, at CareerSpark, this is always the way we talk. We always talk about ROI. We're always talking about how to drive impact. And I would always say to any client, if we are not moving the needle, if we are not paying out almost immediately, then you should not work with us. 
So it should, so, so it's how do we combine those two things, the importance of people um, and, and their impact on the business, but also the, the financial benefit to the business. And if you can put those two things together for senior management, I don't know how they can say no. That's a great answer. Um, this has been great. It's all been very interesting. Um, I'm sure our readers will enjoy it. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to join us today, Jamie. You're very welcome. Thanks for taking, uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast or with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general. Thanks so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works. <laughs>